Welcome to The Buzz, the podcast of the Jazz Journalists Association. I'm Howard Mandel, here to introduce a panel discussion held at the JJA's Book Bash, a party of writers, readers, and publishers held March 26, 2023, on our virtual reality site, the JJA Bash House. At this platform, the JJA convenes real-time interactive events with international participants. Here, London-based singer and media producer Fiona Ross, a member of the J.J.'s Book Awards Committee, speaks with Aidan Levy, author of Saxophone Colossus, The Life and Music of Sonny Rollins, and Willard Jenkins, editor of Ain't But a Few of Us, Black Music Writers Tell Their Story. These books won the 2023 Jazz Awards, respectively, for Biography Autobiography and History Criticism Culture. Aidan, thank you so much for joining us. And, and I must say, thank you for your book. On the book committee, we get sent all these incredible books that we have to read. And, and it's it's no task in any way, shape or form. It's it's a wonderful thing to do. So thank you for your book. Um, and I know this is a, a kind of an obvious question, but your last two books, you've written one about uh, Lou Reed and one about Patti Smith. This is your first jazz book, to my, to my knowledge. And there's a lovely part in your book, towards the end, actually, in the acknowledgement, when you talk about your journey or how you went on the bridge and that you were 29 at the same age that Sonny Rollins was 20, uh, 29 at the same time. So can you tell us how did you come to write about, it's an obvious question, but how did Sonny Rollins come into your life that, so much so that you wrote this fantastic book about him? Well, I, I've always been a fan of Sonny Rollins. I started playing the saxophone when I was nine. And about a couple of years later, I bought my first jazz album and it was Saxophone Colossus. And I've just always felt that that Sonny Rollins is the yardstick that a saxophone saxophonist can measure themselves against. Of course, that means that very likely almost nobody will ever measure up. I would say probably nobody will ever measure up. It's uh, something to aspire towards. So you asked about my other books being on rock musicians. Uh, Jazz has always been my first love, and I'm still playing. So if anything, the other books were a departure from what I was doing. And I had been doing freelance writing on jazz prior to doing any books. This was something that uh, was a dream project that I I wasn't sure uh, I would be the one to write this book. It it was really uh, something that I'm grateful to have been able to to do. It's been also inspiring to be a member of the JJA for maybe 10 years or so, maybe a little bit longer. So many writers that that I look up to and to see some of them here today means a lot. Willard, Willard Jenkins among them. My God! Well, yes, my, and, my book right here. <laughs> and in fact, that I've. <laughs> Willard, so good to see you. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we've spoken naturally not that long ago, so I would say, as I said to Aidan, thank you for your book, which you know. I've read it four times, Aidan. I'm behind on yours. I've only read yours twice. <laughs> so I need to read yours a little bit more. Um, but Willard, we don't have very long and there's so much to discuss. And in fact, the crossover between both of your books would be such a rich, wonderful conversation. But sadly, we don't have time. But your journey to writing this book. Now, I know obviously there was the interview series that you started called Ain't But A Few Of Us. But, uh, you know, arguably 
the the purpose and the journey to bring you to writing this book has been since the beginning of your career. So could you perhaps share with us beyond the interview series, what prompted you to to kind of put this collection of uh, writers together? Well, I started writing about music, more specifically jazz, as an undergraduate in a student newspaper. I talk about that in the introduction to the book. My writing, my, my activity in that regard evolved from there. And my father was a newspaper man. And when I graduated, I took a social services job, which I was slogged into for 10 years. My dad got me an introduction, made an introduction for me with the editor of the Friday magazine. You know, most daily newspapers have a, a Friday entertainment section that they put out. And so I got an opportunity to write about jazz in that in the Cleveland Plain Dealer, the daily paper, in the Friday magazine. And so one thing led to another, and you know, I started writing for Cadence, and then I had opportunities for Jazz Times and Downbeat and other magazines. And so I had an opportunity to, to travel to cover different festivals. I would cross paths with good people like Bob Blumenthal and, and Neil Tesser and, and others along this journey. And it, it, it was always interesting to me like for example, I, covering one of George Ween's festivals when he was when his festival was in New York, you know, we we might be at that Alice Tully Hall for a concert, and they would generally seat the journalists in the same vicinity, the same area. So you know, I was I, I was becoming friendly with people like Dan Morgenstern and others, and 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 Leonard Feather was very kind to me. But I look I would look around and see, wow, I'm. So often, I'm the only Black writer among these people. And when you think about the historic origins of, of jazz, which is a product of the African experience in America, you kind of wonder, well, why is that the case, that, that Black musicians are so prominent in the expression of this music, yet there are so few Black writers covering the music? And so, you know, I started kind of, Writing about that on my my website back in 2010, I actually started a series of interviews, many of which are in this book. And the more I interviewed Black writers, Black jazz writers in particular, Black music writers in general, the more it became clear that this was not just in, in jazz, this was across the board, unless you're talking about hip hop, for example. This was across the board as far as R&B and, and, and other musics that are part of the African experience in America. One thing led to another, and the interview series developed further. And at a certain point, I became encouraged. I, I was encouraged to, to turn that into a book. And so that's, that's how it became this book, Ain't But a Few of Us. And, and where that book title came from, was many years ago overhearing two great musicians talking at a at a concert intermission, and that would be Jimmy Heath and Milt Jackson. And at a certain point, Milt Jackson said to Jimmy, oh, Jimmy, you know, there ain't but a few of us. And what Milt was talking about was there ain't but a few of us left in our generation that created this music we know as bebop. But that, that title kind of stuck with me. And it, it made sense where it came to this whole examination of 
black music writers, black jazz writers. And this is not a book of grievances. I always said that this is not a book of grievances. This is not a collection of aggrieved writers. These are writers telling their story and how they achieved their bylines. And along the way, some of the elements that they faced, some of the issues that that they faced were unfortunately race-based. And so that's what this book is about. This is this book is about how these black writers achieved their bylines and things that they had to, to deal with along the way. If you have time, I'll give you one classic example. Please do. Okay. One of the contributors to this book is a woman named Janine Coveney. She was an editor and a columnist at Billboard magazine for years. She wrote about a variety of different Black musics, but her editor was Timothy White. I'm sure some of you remember Timothy White wrote what is known as the definitive biography of Bob Marley, Catch a Fire. And so, unfortunately, Timothy White, as a result of that experience, felt that he had agency. And whenever she would bring up writing about Caribbean musics, though she had a great familial background in Caribbean culture, she was denied the opportunity to write about Caribbean music because he was the so-called authority on staff. And so only he was going to be the one who was going to be ultimate authority on Caribbean music. Various of these writers have had experiences like that, and that's part of the journey. Thank you. And, and I have to say, and I will say this you know, at, at the end, the stories in this book, the experiences that you're sharing are, are incredible on many different angles. And I have to say, and I think this applies to actually both books, but from completely different ways. I'm curious as to the amount of pressure, I think, that you both felt the responsibility of the subject matter of what both of your books are about. So Aidan, if I can throw that at you, obviously there's, you know, everyone knows Sonny Rollins. He is an absolute legend and legacy and a, a, a hugely significant career. Did you at any point feel any pressure for kind of the responsibility of, of tackling such a legend? Absolutely. Every day that I was working on the book, I, I think that when readers pick up a biography that they expect that it in some way does justice to the subject, that it's that it has the same brilliance as the subject, let's say. I, I, I always knew that this book that I was working on could never sum up the, the life and, and career of Sonny Rollins. It would never be able to do justice to that. But I knew that I still had to put everything I had into the project and speak to as many people as possible do as much research as I could. I mean, did I feel the pressure? Absolutely. Even though I, I knew that it would never, whatever I produce, it, it would be a book. Uh, it, it can't equal the music of Sonny Rollins. But the whole time I, I was able to listen to so much Sonny Rollins music that it it made it all worth it. You know, I always, always had that in my ear, so... Well, and I'm glad it did. As I, say, I, I often speak to writers, and sometimes I think when it's when you're tackling a legend, you know, as you say, that that responsibility and kind of the music that that's coming from, I always wonder how that balances. And I'm pretty sure that's why many people don't write about some of these legends because you know that that kind of goal, that bar that's been set by the musicians to to actually kind of you know create that in a book. 
is is a, a huge challenge and and one if I may say that you absolutely <laughs> lived up to and Willard I have to say from your your perspective I mean same question but obviously you know a very different angle here because what you're you know this is a collection of writers that have never been put together ever before and almost for me this is a book and I know we've discussed this that I feel should be on the curriculum across the world not not even just in America so you know this book is 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 something that's saying so much that you know these voices are incredibly important did you ever feel any pressure about the importance of these stories and kind of how you were going to put it together no I didn't feel any pressure I, I felt compelled to tell these writers stories and to have these writers' experiences exposed. And I see a couple of questions on the question board. Like Neil Tesser asked, do I feel that it has been due solely to racism? And no, I don't. This is not a book necessarily about racism. As I said, these are not a group of aggrieved writers expressing grievances. This is a group of writers speaking to their story and their journey to achieving their bylines. There could be another book in the making that would deal with the unfortunate aspect of the overall African-American populist neglect of this music we call jazz. That's a whole nother subject that could be explored. But I wanted to, you know, as, as a writer myself and as someone who, who, who came to know various of these people like A.B. Spellman, like Amiri Baraka, Greg Tate, and Eugene Holly and John Murph both worked for me in Washington. And, you know, I, 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 I wanted to tell their stories and I was just curious as to why there ain't been but a few of us, to, to paraphrase the title of the book. Well, could I could I follow up here from the audience? I, I, I understand what you're saying about how this is not a, a, a screed of any kind. I, I got that. But I'm wondering what other reasons you might have come across or that you personally feel would have accounted for the lack of African-American Black representation among the people writing about this quintessentially African-American music. Well, I think for one thing, I think there's not a lot of knowledge generally about writing about music. And one of the things that, that, that I wanted to convey with this book, and that I'm trying to convey particularly to younger people who may have a proclivity towards writing about this music, I want to express to them the viability of pursuing opportunities to writing about this music and what that can mean for their careers and their efforts. And so, you know, that 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 that's that's been one of one of the reasons why I wanted to put this all these interviews together in a book. Uh, and, you know, because, you know, as I've said at various of these kinds of discussions about the book, etc. When you think about us being jazz, if you think about us as a community, I think not too many of us could argue with the fact that the strongest sector of this Jazz, so-called jazz community is jazz education. And jazz education has proliferated throughout the world. And we know that despite the fact that there are young people who are continuing to arrive on the scene who have an interest in playing this music and knowing how to play this music in some way, shape, or form, we know that not all of them 
and only a tiny percentage of them are going to become professional musicians. So part of the expression of this book is trying to convey to these young people that there are other opportunities for them to be a part of this music and to continue to express their interest in this music that has that that doesn't have to be on the bandstand. There are other other ways of being a part of this music off the bandstand. And that that's part of one of my goals with this. And obviously one of my goals with this is, is, is as far as encouraging other younger uh, African American writers, people who have an interest in writing and a proclivity towards writing about music, letting them know that there are avenues, there are opportunities for being involved in this music as far as writing about the music. Can I uh, say something to Aiden? It's Michael Wolf. Please do. Yeah, I just wanted to say, first of all, happy to meet you since we did that interview about four years ago for the book for Sonny Rollins. You did a great job in the book, man. And, you know, I think what you said earlier about writing about legends, I mean, it's really true in writing about music. It's hard to it's hard to capture it, you know, and even being a musician myself and trying in my book to write about people who were really important to me that I played with that were like Sonny and Cannonball and stuff in a certain way. If you think about Wayne Shorter and those people, they they were not linear people, you know. They're not linear. That's and I know, you know, it's a different thing. And it's maybe linear. And, and in a way, writing is kind of a linear thing to do. So it's it's really hard to capture that. Like if you go and hear Sonny Rollins live, that was different than ever hearing any of his record. So same with Wayne. So I don't know what I'm saying. Really, I just know it's a really difficult thing to do. And if it can be done well, it's it's much appreciated. And it, and it doesn't have to. I mean, it's great to write about the 20s and 30s, but you can write about what's happening now. And, and it's, I think it's a challenge, a real challenge to do. So, Aiden, I think you did a great job. And I will have a read your book yet, but I want to read it. And, uh, you know, like I said, having written this uh, memoir and trying to write about my life and being a musician, I, I just try to be as, as truthful to myself as I could be because I didn't learn music in an academic setting. I learned it on the bandstand. It was just a different day, you know. There was no music education in the in the 60s really maybe there was berkeley or something so i learned it totally different and i teach at nyu and i saw that howard said does does jazz education does it create fans i don't know if it does or not i don't really know i know when i'm teaching all these kids i don't know what they're going to do man i don't know what they're going to do like like Willard was saying they're going to be professional musicians where's the gig you know i think they're going to be teaching yeah, only a tiny percentage of them are going to become professional musicians. Definitely. Because when I started out, you didn't have to teach. All you had to do, if you could play, there was a lot of work. But now you have to have a multifaceted career. So I think that that's something everyone needs to deal with. Sonny didn't have to do that, but we do. May I join? My name is Danica. Hey, hello. Uh, I would like to compliment two on Sonny Rollins' biography because, in my opinion, two types of biographies. One is one-way street biography, linear. What would you you would say like that? But this one is a great effort, and I appreciate authentic words of Sonny Rollins implemented in the text. So great research effort, and congrats! I love it. 
honestly, we could have talked about, I think all of us could have talked about this for so much, so much longer. And as I said, there's so many crossovers because Sully Rollins is mentioned as an inspiration in Willard's book a lot. So there's so much we could have talked about anyway. Thank you so much for joining Willard and Aidan. Lovely to uh, meet you. Read the book if you haven't already. Uh, I cannot recommend both well, of them. Thank, uh, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. And it's a pleasure serving on this panel with Aidan. Yeah, th- thank you all. You've been listening to The Buzz, the podcast of the Jazz Journalists Association. In this edition, two authors of books nominated for and eventually winning 2023 JJ Jazz Awards spoke at the Book Bash held March 26, 2023 on the organization's unique virtual reality bash house. Aidan Levy, biographer of Sonny Rollins, and Willard Jenkins, editor of Ain't But a Few of Us, Black Music Writers Tell Their Story, spoke with Fiona Ross, singer, director of Women in Jazz Media Organization, and London-based member of the JJ's Book Awards Committee. I'm Howard Mandel, president of the Jazz Journalists Association, which advances the interests of journalists covering jazz. New episodes of The Buzz drop regularly. This one was edited by Wiz Petta, with theme music Big Vic by guitarist John Michaels. The JJA also has Seeing Jazz Photography Masterclasses, posted at YouTube, and much other content. Visit us at jjanews.org and jjajazzawards.org and check back for more of The Buzz.